Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to a very special episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Today we're recording from a nursery in Stockwell, London, where I've just finished an engagement with the Duchess of Cambridge. The Duchess is on a tour around the UK, meeting parents and caregivers as she launches her UK-wide survey, Five Questions for the Under Five, which look into our hopes for the future generations. To take part in the survey, please go to fivebigquestions.org.uk. But first, it's my absolute pleasure, and you can tell I'm nervous because I'm talking so fast, <laughs> but it's my absolute pleasure and honour to welcome the Duchess of Cambridge. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Don't worry, I'm equally as nervous, so don't worry. <laughs> well, let's talk about today because we're at a nursery with the London Early Years Foundation, and we've spoken to parents about the importance of you know, early years. You've been so busy working in early years for a very long time. Yes, it has been quite a journey, and actually I'm excited now to be actually talking about this I suppose a bit more publicly but since I got married I've been really looking into this as sort of a, a huge passion and going out and listening to what makes people tick and actually the things that unify people but also the struggles that people are facing right in the early days meeting lots of people who are struggling with addiction homelessness abuse and things like that mm. you really get moved by some of the challenges that people are facing and it's really heartbreaking to hear. And the more you sort of look into everybody's experiences, actually so much of those, the hardest social challenges, really get traced right back to the earliest years of somebody's life. Mm. And you hear that time and time again across the nation, across the world. You hear the really sad reality that actually what we experience in our childhood really has a lifelong impact on our future health and happiness. So I suppose that has really driven my interest in really digging deep into the early years landscape, speaking to academics, speaking to doctors, um, practitioners, charities, and all those really within the sector to try and work out what could be done to help prevent some of these really sad um, social challenges that I think all of us witness across the country. And now you've started talking to more and more parents and, and, and you've taken it UK-wide with the yeah. survey. Well, I think, you know, ultimately, if you look at who's caring and looking after and nurturing children in this sort of most vital period from pregnancy all the way to the age of five. You know, parents and carers are right at the heart of that and families are right at the heart of that. And although I've spoken to the scientists and the service providers and things like that, it's so important to listen to families. What is it that they aspire to? What is it that they want? What are their challenges? And that's what we're doing really here with the survey is asking people what is it that matters for them in raising their children today? 
Is it an area that you cared about before even becoming a mum? Yes, it was, because lots of people say, well, actually, I know why you're doing your work, because you're mum now, and, <laughs> and it's obviously an interest. Yes, there is that personal element. I've learned a huge amount. There's stuff that I would have done so differently, you know, right at the beginning, mm -hmm. considering what I've learnt now. But yes, I think it was really shocking, actually, to see how challenges that we see in society, how so much of that is connected through poor mental health and then sort of looking back onto actually often traumatic experiences in early childhood. And that, I think, felt such an important period to really look into pre-having um, mm. children. And I suppose it's only emphasised it more now being a parent myself, knowing some of the challenges, um, some of the pressures, some of also the things that might be stopping or, or being a hindrance to those either reaching out for help or really providing the best support and care for, for the children in their, in their care. And that's a huge part of it, isn't it? It's opening up a conversation so that people become a bit more aware and understanding of what others are going through. Exactly. And I don't know whether it's part of everyday conversation. I think there's sort of a mixed feel that either those who are doing it publicly very well and they've got no challenges at all and this idea that actually everything's hunky-dory and it's easy mm -hmm. and then versus those who are sort of really finding it hard but actually there's so much that I found that sort of no matter what walk of life you've come from there's so many things that really unify parents and families in their struggles but also in their aspirations too and that's really powerful I think to find ways in which we can unify people to work together mm -hmm. to try and face some of today's hardest problems really. Because you find that I think with talking to different mums everyone has something in common it doesn't matter who you are what you have what you do there's so many elements that overlap and we can connect through yeah. whether it's a sleepless night whether it's getting to the end of the day and thinking I've been an, a terrible mum today I've failed as a mum today there's the guilt of having to go out to work there's so many little elements that if you don't talk about they can become so heavy on you yeah. and actually talking about it and having these conversations out there it lifts everyone up yeah it's so true and you know, I think we saw that through the Heads Together campaign that we saw about just mental health in general. You know, there was a, such a taboo, such a sort of secrecy around actually speaking about emotions and, and feeling. Mm. So many of the milestones, particularly as a first-time mother, lots of the milestones were on physical development, um, but there wasn't a huge amount to really sort of highlight the importance of the social and emotional development mm -hmm. of a child in the early years. And that is, I suppose, the precursor to be able to talk about your mental health and your mental well-being as a teenager or as an adult later down in life. Rather than be something that's just not done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that part of sort of actually understanding, that's why I think your podcast is so beautifully named as well, because there is such a key sort of link. Mm -hmm. You know, happy mum, happy baby. There is scientific evidence around how the mother feels, how the parents or the carers who are looking after the children in their care, the direct link between family well-being, really, and then the happiness and well-being of the children in their care. I have to say that so many people since the survey launched have talked to me about it. It's one of those things, yeah, everyone's <laughs> been doing it. Have you been surprised by the reaction? Because obviously you were hoping for a good one, but I've yeah. just seen amazing responses of people sort of debating it or, you know, starting the questions going, oh, I can't even answer the first question, what do I think? Well, I'm really, if nothing else, I'm really glad people are thinking about it, mm -hmm. actually. And I think some of the, the questions, we didn't want to be too specific. Mm -hmm. there, was, there was one mother I recently chatted to and she said oh I've been on Google and I'm not really sure and I was like no there's no right or wrong answer this is you You're know I'm not her. exactly there's no I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mark you at the end that's why it had to be, you know it's anonymous yeah. it's hopefully 
quick so that yeah everyone can hopefully take part in it and just start having these conversations without right. any judgment. I'm looking forward to seeing what results show and where yes, it all leads. I think that will be really fascinating mm. because one of the privileges of being in the family and having the job that I do, you end up meeting a lot of people, mm. talking to a lot of people from all walks of life. And I feel like I know the things sometimes that people are struggling with, but it, you're always surprised actually someone else will say something like, wow, gosh, it takes a totally different turn, totally yeah. different. I think... You know, we're all sort of focused on our own environment, our own world and things like that. And actually, sometimes it's really good to look outside that and actually what are the things that lots of other people in society or in your own community even that are struggling with the same things and actually how can everyone pull together to try and yeah, do the best they can, particularly in this early phase, which has such long, lifelong mm. um, implications later down in life. I think there's a massive thing as well where there's a lot of pressure on parents to get it right. So they don't yeah. want to say, I'm struggling, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, all of us don't know what we're doing. We're making it up day yeah. to day. Yeah. But actually, when you start hearing people admit that, you're kind of like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. I'm, we're all in it together. Yeah. So I think there is that pressure. And talking about it just gets rid of it. Yeah. I'd be really interested to hear, you know, at the end of it, what is really the biggest, whether it's fears and things like that, that the mothers of families feel that are stopping them doing the best job they possibly can. Mm. What was your childhood like? I had a very happy childhood. It was great fun. I'm very lucky I've come from a very strong family. My parents were hugely dedicated to us, my siblings. I really appreciate now as a parent how much they sacrifice for us. <laughs> it's um, that typical thing that you always hear. I appreciate my parents so much more now. <laughs> no, it's, but it is really true. You yeah. really, you know, they would come to every sports match. I'm very keen on sport. They came to every sports match. They'd be the ones on the sideline shouting, and we'd always have our family holidays together. But I think the things that really resonate with me most is the simple things, and I think I, I see that even now with my own children is actually life now is so busy, mm -hmm. so distracting, and actually sometimes the simple things like watching a fire on a really rainy day yeah. provides such enjoyment. And actually, I remember that for my childhood, doing the simple things, go for a walk together, and that's really what I try and do with my children as well because it totally strips away all the complications, all the pressures yeah, it does. as a parent. And I think those experiences as well mean so much to children and the world that they're in, which is a real adventure, really, for mm. them at that age. I was reminded the other day of something that me and my family used to do nearly every weekend, and that was to go somewhere like Curry's or Comet yeah. and just play with the fridges and yeah. washing machines, just play grown-ups. Great, yeah. kids, we're going out. It's like the olden day soft play, go. <laughs> yeah, go around, go around, checking everything out, seeing what works, what doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. What washing machine do we need? Yeah. <laughs> what, how goes? about you? What was your... Was your Childhood happy? Uh, it was happy at home. Everything yeah. was happy. I got badly bullied as a kid. Mm. Um, and it kind of festered into this need to be liked, which I'm kind mm. of, since becoming a mum, getting rid of a little bit. So it is interesting for me, because I know that parts of my childhood have definitely played a part in the person that I've become and mm. my mental health. Yeah. And that there's a direct link there. Yeah. So it's really interesting. And it's really fascinating, actually, speaking to parents. For example, I was at a prison recently and looking at that intergenerational cycle in that particular instance, you're talking about addiction and things like that mm. and how 
as hard as they can to try and break intergenerational cycle. Actually, it's so embedded in family tradition and, and behavioural patterns and relationships. It's very hard. Mm. To, and that's difficult and as a parent as well, isn't yeah. it? Knowing that you're doing all you can mm. to, to create positive relationships. Yeah. But then when they go to school or nursery, and you've got no control over those no. relationships. But actually, somebody used to say, a very wise man did say to me, because I was having doubts and questions about and the guilty mm-hmm. element of being away for work and things like that. And they said, actually, almost the nuclear family, the responsibility of the family being the sole people who are in charge and therefore sort of the nurture of their children is solely their responsibility. As she was saying, actually, we are more like animals than we think we are. We need people around us. The more people you have around your children who are safe and loving and caring, mm. the better. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a real, it was a real weight off my better. shoulder. But actually, <laughs> it's not totally my responsibility to do yeah. everything because, you know, we all have good days, bad days. And actually, if you can dilute that with others who aren't on that particular day struggling, or, mm-hmm. or um, I think it makes such a difference for your child and actually to keeping them as constant and as happy as possible. Do you struggle with mum guilt for having the yes, juggle? Yes, absolutely. I think anyone who does one as a mother <laughs> is actually lying. <laughs> yeah, all the time. Yeah, and you know, even this morning, going to the nursery visit here, George and Charlotte were like, Mummy, how could you possibly not be dropping off us off at school this morning? But no, it's a constant challenge. You hear it time and time again mm-hmm. from, from mums, even mums who aren't necessarily working and aren't pulled in in the direction of sort of having to juggle work life and family life. They don't feel that they've there's got... There's always something there's to always be guilty some, Exactly. And actually always sort of questioning your own decisions and your own judgments and, and things like that. And I think that starts from the moment you have a, a baby... <laughs> In your tummy, in not your even time, in your arms. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but also, you know, I feel a huge responsibility because, you know, the amount of what I've learned over the last few years is so fascinating. Mm. And I definitely would have done things differently, even during my pregnancy, than really? I would have done now, knowing the importance of of the early years. Yeah, absolutely. So, even in pregnancy? Even in pregnancy, because, you know, there's such a... The science, and that I found that fascinating to see the well-being of the mother, not just physically, you know, there's so much information about sort of making sure you exercise and making sure you have a healthy diet and things like that, which, yes, is definitely important. But the emotional well-being of the mm. mother directly impacts the baby that's in... that you're growing. Which and it's really difficult with the hormones. I know, though. it's difficult. <laughs> and, and also with life's challenges and yeah. everything, like that, it really is hard. But actually just being aware of it, mm. you know, I was a lot more aware of it third time around than I was first time around. What was your first pregnancy like? It was fine. I, I got very bad morning sickness, so I'm not the happiest of pregnant people. Um, have you had it every time? Or just yes, the, unfortunately. Oh. Lots of people have it far, far worse. But it was definitely a challenge, not just for me, but also for your loved ones around you. And I think that's the thing is being pregnant, having a newborn baby and things like that impacts everybody in, mm. in the family. You know, William didn't feel he could do much to help. And, you know, it's hard for everyone to see you suffering without actually being able to do anything about it. Especially since it's such an amazing, magical time. But then you're just feeling rotten. Yes, utterly rotten. I was really sick. I wasn't eating the things I should be eating. But yet the body was still able to take all the goodness from my body and to grow new life, which I think is fascinating. It's amazing. Yeah. And I'm right in thinking you did hit the birthing. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Well, actually, it was through hyperemesis that Mm -hmm. I really realised the power of the mind over 
the body because I really had to try everything and everything to try and Are help you me giggling because you're thinking about the power of the mind when you're giving birth? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of that. I think it's something that people have been talking about more and more. So when I first had Buzz, mm. I remember walking past someone in the park and he was talking about his friend, you know, and she's done, she's gone all hippy dippy and she's done hypnobirthing. And I was like, that's me. But I wish that more people talked about it because yeah. it is an amazing thing. It's literally just stilling your mind. Mm. And stopping all that noise, and it's not hippy dippy. No. And also, all. there's there's level, you know, there's yeah. levels of it. I'm not going to say that when he was standing there, sort of chanting <laughs> sweet nothings at me, he definitely wasn't. I didn't really ask him about it, but this is something I wanted to do for myself. I yeah. saw the power of it. Really, sort of, sort of the meditation and the deep breathing and things mm-hmm. like that that they teach you in hypnobirthing when I was really sick. Mm-hmm. And actually, I realised that this was something that I could take control of. I suppose during labour, it was yeah hugely powerful and actually because it had been so bad during pregnancy I actually really quite liked labour because <laughs> it's so nearly over <laughs> because it was something that actually was an event that I knew that there was going to be an ending for <laughs> ending to but I know I some, some people do find, have really really difficult times it's not for everybody no it's um, absolutely well, not so. I, I know lots of people that have gone down that route and ended up having the emergency c-section mm. but ultimately it's given the moments of calm so I think You've got to kind of bank those moments up that you are doing that meditation and stuff as just moments of calm for you and your baby. And then whatever happens, happens. Because there's so much expectation. Third time around, actually, I realised that it was a lot more intense than it had been the previous two times. Yeah, but no pregnancy is the same. No. No birth's the same. It was was the Trixie number three. And then I realised that I just wasn't breathing in the right way. I literally was just shallow breathing. I was like, oh, that's not going to help me, is it? You think, well, I've done this before. I know what I'm doing. (laughs) No. that, that, That is one of the things, actually, spending some time working alongside midwives, Mm. speaking to mothers and things like that in hospital, but also at home. A lot of the home births, they do, a lot of the mothers choose to use hypnobirthing as well. But actually, one of the things that came up time and time again, speaking to mothers and also the midwives, was this idea of mother's expectation and what they felt they should or what they wanted to happen and actually that real sense of disappointment actually the guilt guilt, as well that comes through if things don't work out the way they think Mm. they should have done and it's really hard almost right from the beginning of actually sort of the reality that nature does take its course in all shapes and turns and things like that and actually having someone alongside you and that's what the role of midwives is so extraordinary because Mm. they provide that reassurance that actually things might be different, but it's okay. Um, And it was really amazing to watch how their support really supported the mothers in their care. Because ultimately everyone's working towards the same goal, and that's getting your baby out safely, safely for them and for you. Yeah. But I think lots of mothers do feel that that during pregnancy and during labour, they do get a a huge amount of support from those around them. There's lots of information and things like that. I think the challenge is when you're then sent home with your baby, your Mm -hmm. newborn baby, particularly as a first-time mother, you're like, oh, my goodness, am I okay to do this? <laughs> well, you had, had, you I had, had a story. quite a mayhem yeah. before that. Because, so first of all, what was it like when you held Prince George in your arms? Amazing, amazing. It is extraordinary. As I said, you know, it's sort of, how can the human body do that? It's, it is utterly extraordinary, actually. Mm. Uh, yeah, he was, yeah, very, very sweet and also sort of relieved that really? he was a, ha- yeah, a happy, um, Did you know healthy he boy. I didn't know, no, it's a surprise. But also seeing the, you know, your husband's, you know, William and things like that, seeing the pure joy in his face was, um, it's yeah, joy really and vulnerability, special. isn't it? Is mm. that everything is broken down? I think when life comes into the world, yeah, there's just a simplicity, yeah. 
And that's what I think as parents we have to try and remember mm. through the complications of our children growing up and things like that. Ultimately, it's the really simple things that really do matter. And if nothing else, that's what I really try and remind myself on a daily basis through all the work that I've done, people I've spoken to. Actually, it's the simple things. Even speaking to um, some of the Holocaust survivors recently, mm. considering the trauma that they've experienced, it's so reassuring and heartwarming to hear. Actually, it's the things that matter, I think, to all of us. You know, the strength of family, the simple acts of kindness that actually make the biggest amounts of difference to yeah. everybody. And that is so unifying, just thinking about all the things and the difficulties that everyone goes through, mm. whether it's through pregnancy or through trauma there's a lot that unites us in coming to the core values of human kindness really what was it like knowing that so many people outside after you've given birth and you're in your little cocoon with your new family yeah what's it's it terrifying. like <laughs> it's slightly terrifying i'm not gonna lie <laughs> would it, you like switch on the telly and go oh no they're covering this as well they're stood outside no it's hard like to decompartmentalize what's yep. the word compartmentalize yes. compartmentalize yes um the whole thing because you know everyone had been so supportive and mm. they were, we were both William and I were really conscious that you know this was sort of something that everyone was excited about and you know we're hugely grateful for the support that the public has shown us and actually for us to be able to share that joy and appreciation with the public I felt was really important but equally <laughs> it was coupled with a newborn baby and sort of inexperienced parents and the uncertainty about what that held. So there was all sorts of sort of mixed emotions. How many um, hours after giving birth did you come out? I, oh my gosh, I can't remember. Everything just because it goes in a bit of a, bit of a blur. <laughs> I think I stayed in, yeah, I did stay in hospital overnight. I remember it's hottest, one of the hottest days of night with huge thunderstorms, so I didn't get a huge amount of sleep. <laughs> um, but George did, which was really great. But I was keen to... At home. home because for me for for me being in hospital I had all the memories of being in hospital because of being sick so mm -hmm. it wasn't sort of the place I wanted to hang out <laughs> hang around and um so I was really desperate to get home and get back to normality but I think you think particularly first of baby you think everything is going to go back to how it was and I totally underestimated the impact and the change it had on our lives from yeah. that moment really and I think unless you've got children you don't realize no amount of planning and preparation can mm -hmm. get you ready for that moment I can remember just sitting and watching and waiting for you to come out of the hospital and it was that massive feeling of celebration what was I also the duke when he put prince george in the car that was seamless but um, he probably didn't think so at the time. We're like, what are we doing? He's going in a swaddle. How's this place? We'd even try to practice with a little baby, like a little um, doll at a time. But, you know, it just never works out the way you planned it. So it was quite hard to do that, I think, on the world's stage. But, but no, you was did a very a good breath? job. Was there a breath of, like, a sigh of relief when you actually got in the car and drove off? And drove, you know, it was really... But also, you're driving away with the newborn baby. Oh, it's terrifying. the most... Yeah. Oh! But I've heard stories about sort of mums who sort of took their child out of the car seat and put it on the sofa and didn't want to touch it because they were worried <laughs> about they were going to do the wrong, do the wrong thing. You know, yeah. it's really... Yeah, you then to totally feel responsible. But I think a lot of what... The work that we've been trying 
to do in terms of looking around the ideas is actually providing that link really yeah. because you know you then have the health visitor who comes and, and does the, the standard checkups and things like that but having had such a, a wonderful sort of support network through pregnancy and and delivery and things like that from nurses and midwives mm. it's then a very lonely period between then actually going into perhaps the educational system which then yeah. picks up in terms of for parents that support network but there isn't a huge amount out there unless you know there, there's incredible communities out there which I've been to see that do do as much as they can in terms of including parents but you know it is quite a nice day it's quite a lonely period actually from a mother mm. between and for families really to you know where where do they go if they need support whether it's for their child or for themselves and that's where we're looking at really trying to join the dots and I, that's why I think it's so important that communities like this coming together joining the dots for parents with the children and the educational system yeah because like you say is that that thing of when you leave hospital and you get home I remember just that eerie silence yeah and I kind of go what it wasn't that quiet in our house <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so stuck with when it was like, oh my gosh, is this what parent, is this what it's going to be like? <laughs> what have we done? <laughs> yeah. No, it, it took us a bit of time to get ourselves uh, settled and, and going again. But that's the beauty, I suppose, of having a newborn baby. You are pulled to your toughest and, and um, the most sort of unknown places, really. Yeah. Um, that you hadn't have necessarily even thought about before. So. I was that thing you can read all the books. Yeah, you can read all the books. They don't read a single that. thing. No. <laughs> They've got no idea. It's almost worse also if you read the books too, because that actually then again sort of plays into, oh, I, things should happen like this. And again, can you drift away to just think about the, the, you know, the things that are really important mm. for that child? So, no. What parts of your childhood do you want to give your children? I think if I take the experience of my own childhood coupled with what I know now, what I've learned from the experts in the earlier sector, I think there's a few things that really stand out for me. One is quality of relationship. So those moments that you spend with the people that are around you, I think I remember that from my own childhood. I had an amazing granny who devoted a lot of time for us playing with us and doing arts and crafts and going to a greenhouse doing gardening stuff mm-hmm. and cooking with us and I try and incorporate a lot of the experiences that she gave us at the time into the experiences that I give my children now but also the environments that you spend time in as well you know it's a happy home environment safe environments but you know as children we spend an awful lot of time outside mm-hmm. and it's something I'm really passionate about I think it's so great for physical well-being and also mental well-being and actually really laying those foundations but it's such a great environment to actually spend time building those quality relationships without the distractions mm-hmm. of um, I've got to cook and I've got to do this and actually it's so simple I got this one photo of Charlotte smelling a, a bluebell and I just it really for me is moments like that mean so much to me as a parent and I try every day to put moments like that in even if they're small even if yeah we don't ha- I don't have time but that in an ideal world is what I'd like to do yeah sort of great relationships and happy environments and experiences yeah so I've recently read a book that's a series of letters around motherhood if you could write a letter to anyone about motherhood who would it be to and what would you say that is a very interesting question. Um, I'd like to put people on the spot. I know. Mm. 
Can I write back to myself? Is that really weird? You definitely can. <laughs> I think I'd like to have written to myself at the beginning of my pregnancy with my first child because I think what I've experienced not only as a mother but also what I've learned on my sort of journey through digging deeper into the earliest landscape I've learned a huge a huge amount that I would really love to go back and um, really sort of tell myself at the beginning of pregnancy right right at the start what things I feel now really matter in terms of being a parent but also what really matters to the children mm. and my children now. I think you get so consumed with certain things first time round and you're like, oh, mm. that doesn't matter now. We just want a bit of reassurance. Yeah. It's the simple things that really make a difference. Mm. Um, it's spending, you know, quality time with your children. It's not whether you've done every single drop-off and every single pick-up, but actually it's those quality moments that you spend with your child where you're actually properly listening to them. Mm properly understanding how what they feel and actually really if things are going wrong actually really taking time to think how as a mother am I feeling am I actually making the situation worse for my child because actually this is bringing up all sorts of things I feel rather yes. than actually just focusing on them and how they might be reacting or responding to certain situations that would be another piece of advice I'd like to give myself like back it. then it's kind of a bit of reassurance a bit of guiding yeah I like that someone did ask me the other day what would you want your children to remember about their childhood Oof. and that's I thought that's a really good question because actually if you if you really think about that is it that I'm sitting down trying to do the maths and spelling homework over the weekend or is it the fact we've gone out and had a bonfire and sat around trying to cook sausages that hasn't worked because it's <laughs> no too wet exactly <laughs> um that's what I would want them to remember those moments with me as a mother, but also as a family, mm -hmm. going to the beach, getting soaking wet, filling your boots full of water. Those are what I would want them to remember, not a stressful household where you're trying to do everything yeah. and not really succeeding at, <laughs> at one thing. So. It's a relief to know that I'm not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's just so there is a lot of pressure, isn't yeah. there? You know, there's a, a quote that I read the other day from the founder of the National Trust, Octavia Hill, and it was sort of, it was then 19th century, she was basically saying, our lives are so busy, our lives are so hectic, all we need is quiet, we need things to be still, so we can actually really focus on the things that matter. And that was in the 19th century, imagine what she would think now, <laughs> you know, because, but it's so true, because actually, you can get so distracted and put so much pressure on yourselves about the things you're not necessarily achieving. And it distracts you from the things that actually really do matter to really the lifelong health, health and happiness of the children that you're looking after. I mean, three kids, though, that is chaotic. I, I speak it is personally. It's chaotic, trying to find yeah. the peace with three kids. It's easy when they're out. Yeah. How, <laughs> how old are your boys? Are uh, five, three and one. Yes, OK. Oh, so mm. not, not much different no. to... George, Charlotte and Louis. Yeah, it's a bit hectic. You're pulled in all sorts of directions. Yeah, because when the third comes in, like, how actually can you physically get all three children out of the car at the same time? You can't. No. 
Um, it's, it's so funny. I also think first time around, anything that goes near their mouth and, oh, what is that? Have we like disinfected it? Third time around, you're like, oh, he's eating something. Oh, I think it is last night's dinner. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, <laughs> so in that way, nature and nurture, right? you might be amazed to see how differently yeah, they grow it's up so and true. resilience and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's First one continuously yeah. sick because he's never had any germs. Third one never sick. <laughs> yeah, because they've sort of got on. Yeah. yeah, got on with it right from the beginning. But there's such a sort of a, a pull. But I'm such a hands-on mum, and whatever you're doing, you want to make sure you're doing the utmost best job you can for your children. How do you find your work family I'm life balance? Constantly balanced? juggling, constantly feeling like I'm getting it wrong. So I think once a month, me and my husband sit down and kind of go, okay, what, how can we address this? But we work in the evenings as well. So it's even, uh, you know, it's affected our relationship as well because, Mm. you know, you're spending whatever time you're not with the kids working and it's a juggle, but we both feel very lucky that we are creative and our jobs are essentially playing Mm. and that we can hopefully bring that into the family life as well. Yeah. Because sometimes you kind of go, I'm a good person. (laughs) And outside of this, I'm really playful. So why today am I not playing with you? Why am I just, you know, arguing with you about the fact that you have to do your homework? You know, it is a juggle. And and, uh... But I I do think what you're doing is is so important. You know, I know you get a lot of enjoyment, obviously, from (laughs) from your writing and things like that. But actually getting mothers to speak openly about their experience. I think, you know, that's what we really were hoping which happened through the survey is actually just start a conversation, really to start taking down some of the barriers, trying to address things like judgment and stigma mm. around parenting and, and caring for children. Because I think that's one of the things that stops people from reaching out for the help that's needed. You know, even if there's great services within their communities, they're not necessarily engaging with them. So that was one thing we wanted to to do, you know, um, through the service, actually yeah. just get people talking, which is what you do all the time, well, which I, was, I think is fascinating. Well, I was fascinating. To last week, which afterwards I was like, I shouldn't, I first encounter, I shouldn't have bled that out. But um, how uh, there were uh, figures last year that showed that the leading cause of death in new mums is suicide. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, it's extraordinary, yeah. And it just goes to show, though, how mental health and that support, it's so important that mm. we do support that we take away that judgment and we show people that you don't have to be perfect Mm. and actually talking is fine and your kids aren't going to be taken away from you Mm. if you're thinking certain thoughts certain thoughts are natural and they and you know it's just talk and don't be afraid of that yeah yeah so i think the survey is so important and getting that conversation out there is going to be brilliant thank you well hopefully this is the first small step to looking at prevention really Mm. because that's you know it's not just about happy healthy children this is actually for lifelong yeah. consequences and outcomes yeah. i was looking at one of the stats i think there's 17 billion i think it's been estimated in england and wales alone that's spent on late intervention right and it's crazy because it's not only it's an economic um mm-hmm. cost but there's a huge social cost too to our communities and our societies so that's really why i'm i'm doing this is really to try it's going to take a long time we're talking about <laughs> generational change yeah really but hopefully this is the first small step we can start a conversation around the importance of early childhood development brilliant i finish each podcast each episode by starting three sentences that you're going to finish okay (laughs) great being a mum means compromise (laughs) since being a mum i compromise compromise (laughs) yes (laughs) um sleepless (laughs) <laughs> that's the reality yeah that is the reality I have found a new enjoyment out of life that's lovely 
and I'm happy when. I'm with my family outside in the countryside and we're all filthy dirty. (laughs) I can't even tell you what a pleasure it has been to talk to you today and to join you at the engagements. It's been wonderful. Thank you very much. And thank you and well done as well for all the hard work and the important work that you do in getting families and mothers and fathers talking about their experiences in parenthood. Thank you. Uh, If you would like to take part in the survey, please go to fibrequestions.org.uk. Bye. Okay. <laughs>